seriously, a lot of us would probably do something differently. And the reason that is, is because we fail. We make mistakes. Every one of us. Sometimes you give life your best shot and you still come up short. Sometimes you study for the test and you still fail. Sometimes you work really hard at your job, but you still get laid off. Sometimes you work really hard in your marriage, but it still seems to be going nowhere. And the fact is you're going to fail quite often in life, many times, because nobody's perfect, except my grandbaby, Annabelle. Nobody else, though. We all make mistakes. We're going to have setbacks. We're going to have problems. You're going to have defeats. You're going to have losses. You are going to fail. And as we begin this new year, 2012, I want us to look at how to make a fresh start. I mean, what's God's way? What's God's way of making a fresh start? Regardless of whatever happened last year, regardless of what happened in 2011, how do I make a fresh start? Now, the Bible says that God is very interested in your future. And in Isaiah 40, verse 3, the Lord says, Forget about what has happened before. Do not think about the past. Instead, look at the new things I'm going to do. So God says, forget about all that. Forget about what happened before. Forget about last year. He says, don't think about the past. And I taught on this last month. I said, the past is the past. It's over. The doors closed on that one. I mean, if you don't get anything else out of what I say today, I want you to get this, that God is far more interested in your future than He is in your past. Because some of you think, and I'm guilty of this at times too, that God's fixated on, on our past, what we've done. All He wants to do is remind us of all the things that we've done wrong. And that's not right. God isn't interested in your past. He's interested in your future because that's where you're going to spend the rest of your life. He says, forget about the past. Don't even think about it. Look at the new things that I'm going to do. Concentrate on what lies ahead. And today I want us to look at how to make a fresh start in 2012. And I'm going to use a formula for starting over. It's called an acrostic, and we use these in Celebrate Recovery. So regardless of what kind of failure you may have had in 2011, a financial failure, a relational failure, maybe you had a moral failure last year. I mean, maybe you blew it big time and you're ashamed of something and you hope that nobody else finds out about it. But regardless of whatever failures you've had, here's how you start over. The S is for stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. If you want to start over, if you want to start fresh, if I want to start fresh, I have to stop making excuses for my failures. I've got to stop blaming other people. I've got to stop using rationalizations. I've got to stop always seeing myself as the victim. I mean, let me be clear on this. Other people can hurt you. Without a doubt, other people can harm you. Other people can scar you. But nobody can ruin your life except for you. 
Nobody can ruin your life without your permission. I mean, you have a choice, and that is you can choose how you're going to respond to those hurts. Now, Proverbs 28, verse 13 says, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. He gets a fresh start. So it says the starting point to starting over is to be honest and face up to your problems. Every single person in here has problems. All of us do. But most of the problems in my life Not all of them, but most of them are my fault. And I think that's pretty hard for us because we always like to, we like to pass the buck. As a society, as a culture, we love to shift the blame. We blame the environment. We blame the economy. We blame the government. We blame our parents. We blame our spouses. We blame the stars. I mean, it's always someone else's fault. Everything is attributed to something else. But God says most of your failures you've caused. I mean, we could talk for weeks about what causes failure in people's lives, but I'm just going to quickly give you three of the most common reasons. And I want you to remember these so hopefully they can be avoided in 2012. The number one reason that we fail in life is that we don't plan ahead. We don't plan ahead. We make decisions and we don't look at the consequences of them. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 7, A sensible man watches for problems and prepares to meet them, but the fool never looks ahead and suffers the consequences. I mean, was it raining when Noah started building the ark? The rain didn't come for 120 years, but that's how long it took for him to build it. Jesus often in the Bible talks about the importance of planning. Many stories talk about it. He said there's a guy who goes out and he starts to build a tower, but he can't finish it because he doesn't have enough money, because he forgot to plan He tells the story about a king who went out to battle, but he lost because he didn't count his soldiers. He didn't plan ahead. You know, sometimes something seems so great at the spur of the moment, only to realize later on what a huge mistake it was. There's consequences to every action that we take. And a lot of the times we end up saying, you know, I didn't plan on that happening. I didn't see that. I read this week that 40% of divorced couples end up regretting not trying to do more things to make that marriage work. They look back later in life and they regret a decision that they made. Maybe they found that life, grass isn't always greener on the other side. This isn't Hollywood. They didn't plan on certain things happening. It's the old cliche, if you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Second reason we fail is that we don't listen to others. We don't listen to others. 
We don't listen to good advice when it's offered. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, plans fail without good advice. You need to get all the advice you can. You've got to get good advice. And why don't we listen to the advice of others? Because we think we don't need it. It's pride, ego. You know what ego stands for? Edging God out. The Bible says pride always leads to destruction. Always. An arrogant attitude leads to a fall. When I think that I know it all and I can figure it all out myself, I'm setting myself up for failure. I'm going on the K-Love Christian Music Cruise next month. And uh, I went last year on it. And I, I took, my, took my daughter, Courtney, and we had a blast. The first morning I was there, I ate breakfast next to Leland. And I don't know if you know who the musician Leland is, but uh, I was able to eat and tell him that I sing his songs in church. I got to hang out in a lounge with Casting Crowns and actually get to know Casting Crowns to the point of the next morning during a worship service, there was nobody sitting next to me, and they came in, yelled my name out, and walked over and sat next to me, and we worshipped. I mean, it was amazing. There was concerts all night. I, got, I mean, it was a music lover's dream. And as I said, I'm going this year, and I thought about taking my girlfriend. And if you've been coming here for the last month, you'll know that I've stood up here and I've said that I'm trying to honor God with everything in my life, including my relationship. So before I put her name down on it, I thought I'm going to seek advice from three people that I trust. One of them was Chris Bunch, and I already knew what his answer was going to be. The other was my friend Jib, and the other was a, my friend named Abby. Three people that I knew wouldn't sugarcoat things, but also that I knew that they were putting God at the center of their lives. And they all three told me I was making the wrong decision. Not that they didn't trust me, or they didn't question my character, but that I wasn't setting the proper example for those around me. I mean, I, can, I can't stand up and be used by God to lead people and then do something that someone else may see as questionable. So regardless of what my intentions were, I was making a bad decision. So now I'm taking my ADHD son, who's going to have me in the swimming pool the entire time, eating ice cream, and I'm going to miss every concert on the music cruise. But if you don't listen to the advice of others, your friends, your family, people that you trust, and not people that's just going to tell you something so you can justify a decision, but people who will give you Christ-centered advice, if you don't listen to it, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're never going to go, get anywhere if you think you've already arrived. The guy who gets too big for his britches will eventually be exposed in the end. Yeah, you guys was up late last night. It took a while. But you see, that's the problem with pride. So we fail to plan, and we fail to listen to other people, and we fail as a result. 
The third reason we fail is we give up too soon. We give up too soon. Proverbs 24, verse 10 says, If you give up when trouble comes, it just shows that you are weak. Failure is the path of least persistence. The problem is that often during trying times, we stop trying. We just give up. I mean, if at first you don't succeed, welcome to the human race. If at first you don't succeed, you're normal. I mean, very few people make it on the first try. Oftentimes we give up when success is right around the corner. I mean, it's always too soon to quit. You're never a failure until you quit. I'm going to give you some world-class failures here. There was a guy, a general. He lost two-thirds of all the battles he fought in the American Revolution. George Washington. There was another guy who graduated 42nd out of a class of 43, and it wasn't Chris Bunch. He was 43 out of 43. This guy was 42 out of 43. And then he went out and he conquered Europe, and his name was Napoleon. There's a guy who lost almost every election he ran for, 10 or 12 of them, until finally he was elected president, and that was Abraham Lincoln. He lost more than he won. Edison tried over 200 different elements before he figured out what was the right element to use in the light bulb. So he had 200 failures before he had a success. In 21 years, Babe Ruth hit 714 home runs, but he struck out 1,330 times. He struck out nearly twice as much as he hit a home run. And he said, never let the fear of striking out keep you from taking a swing. So it's always too soon to quit. The Bible says we need to stop making excuses. We need to admit when it's our fault and we need to get on with life. I mean, I've discovered that people who are very good at making excuses are rarely good at anything else. Because they spend all their energy thinking up reasons why they can't do what they're supposed to be doing. So the S in START stands for stop making excuses. On to the T. It's take stock. Take stock. I need to take stock of my life. That means I need to evaluate all of my experiences. I need to look at what I have left after the failure. I mean, if I've had a financial failure, and I have, I need to look at what I have left after the failure. If I've had a relational failure, and again, I have, I need to see what relationships do I have left. If I've had a moral failure, you get the picture, I need, to, I need to look and I need to take stock of my life. I need to see what are my assets after that. I need to ask, what's God doing in my life after this failure? What are my options? What are my talents that I have? I mean, if you want to make a fresh start in 2012, you need to sit down. You need to do an evaluation of your life. You need to take stock of your experiences. 
I mean, regardless of whatever happened in 2011, one of the things you still have, in fact, you have more of it now in 2012, is more experience. And God wants to use your experiences. He doesn't want you to waste them. God never wastes a hurt. You need to learn from them. You need to capitalize on them. Galatians 3 verse 4 says you have experienced many things. Were all those experiences wasted? I hope not. So God uses all these different experiences in our lives. He uses personal experiences. The family you grew up in, the people you relate to. He uses personal experiences to shape you. He uses vocational and educational experiences to shape you. He uses spiritual experiences like coming to church, reading your Bible, going on a mission trip. But most important of all, He uses painful experiences to shape your life. You see, when we give God control of our lives, He starts chipping away. He starts forming us. He starts molding us to resemble Jesus Christ. And sometimes it's light swings, sometimes small shavings. But a lot of times it's the painful experiences that God takes the biggest swings. And those are the times that God shapes us the most. And as you take stock of your life and starting over, you need to ask yourself, and I left this open if you want to write these questions in there, but you need to ask yourself, what have I learned? I mean, what have I learned from that experience? You know, I know people 40, 50 years of age, but they don't have 40 or 50 years of experience. They got the same year of experience 10 times or 20 times over. They never learn anything. I mean, what did you learn from last year? If you don't sit down and think it through, you're probably going to end up making the same mistake this year as you did last year because you didn't learn anything from it. Second thing, you need to ask yourself, what are my assets? I mean, what have I, what have I got going for me? What have I got going for my life? My health, freedom, friends. Have I got God in my life? Have I got good friends in my life? Have I got a church family? Have I got people that I can count on in my life? Number three, who can help me? Who can help me? Because when you need a fresh start, you need somebody by your side. You need a friend. You need an accountability partner. You need a support person. That's what makes Celebrate Recovery so successful is the support that we give each other. I mean, you need other people because you don't start over by yourself. You need someone to walk alongside you. I mean, every time you take stock of your life, you have in your brain like a personal little referral system, a little database. And it's a database of every experience that you've ever had in your life. It's all stored in there. And every time you see something or you hear something, you evaluate it by your experiences. You see if it squares up. Do I accept it or do I not accept it? And when you're making a fresh start, when you're taking, 
stock of your life, you need to realize that some of your experiences have faults. Faulty information lies. Not everything you've seen, heard, and experienced is true. You can have false memories. You can believe false things. Do people ever tell you things that aren't true? Yes, and you store that away too. Have people ever said things about you that weren't true? Yes, and you've stored that away. When you're young and very impressionable, we tend to accept what other people say about us as true. The young girl, that the young boy says you're ugly. She stores that away. She thinks she's ugly. Somebody tells you you're dumb. You think, yeah, I am dumb. Somebody says you'll nev- never amount to anything. You start thinking, you know, I'll probably never really amount to anything. I mean, all it takes is that one coach in the third grade who says you're uncoordinated, and all of a sudden you go through all your school years thinking you can't achieve something because you're too uncoordinated. Impressionable young people allow other people to influence their self-image. I mean, you may be still being impacted by what somebody said to you as a child. It wasn't true then, and it certainly isn't true now, but you're still acting like it is. Some of you may be impacted by an incident, or maybe something an angry parent just shot off the top of their head, and it's stuck in your mind. All these years, it's stuck in your mind. Sometimes you need to challenge those experiences. You need to challenge what you think that you believe. You need to hold it up against the truth of God's Word and say, what does God say is true? Because that's what's important. What does God say about me? Not what do other people say about me. And just because you've seen something doesn't make it true either. You've heard the phrase, I'll believe it when I see it. You can believe a lie. If you've ever seen the movie Forrest Gump, if you've watched that movie, you believe he shook hands with Kennedy or he taught Elvis to dance. And none of that was true. So just because you see something doesn't make it true. And just because you experience something doesn't make it true either. That's why you need to take stock of your experiences. The A is act in faith. Act in faith. This is the third step in getting a fresh start. You act in faith. You have to launch out into new territory in 2012. The Bible says the key to changing anything is faith. If you want to change your circumstances, it takes faith. If you want to change your personality, it takes faith. If you want to change anything in your life, you have to have faith. Jesus says this in Matthew 9, According to your faith, it will be done to you. According to your faith, it will be done to you. That's a very simple statement, but it's very powerful. It means we tend to get out of life what we expect. I mean, what are you expecting in 2012? Are you kind of like Eeyore? It'll probably be a disappointing year. Then it's going to be. 
Because we tend to get out of life what we expect. The person who says, I can, and the person who says, I can't, are both right. You need to start expecting more. I don't want to go all Joe Osteen on you here, but you need to start expecting more of yourself. You need to start expecting more from God. You need to start expecting more out of your life. That's the principle of faith. And in order to start acting in faith, you've got to stop feeling sorry for yourself. The poor me, I'm a victim, life is unfair. Of course life is unfair. Nobody said life was going to be fair. God never said it was going to be fair. It's a world filled with sin. But we've got to keep going on. You stop rehearsing the past. You stop regretting the past. You've got to get on with the present. You've got to get on with the future. Because the more you regret of 2011 will be the more you waste of 2012. The more time you spend thinking, I wish that hadn't happened. I wish I could change that. If only I could go back, if I could reverse the clock, if I could redo history. And you're rehearsing and you're regretting and you're not only making yourself miserable now, but you're setting yourself up for more of the same. Because the way you set yourself up for more failures is you keep focusing on past failures. I mean, whatever you focus on, you tend to reproduce in your life. According to your faith, it will be done to you. So what you need to do is you need to learn from those failures. Let me give you the real secret right now of success. And every successful person knows this, that real success is built on failure. Real success is built on failure. Failure is the way that you become a success. You figure out what doesn't work. Everybody's heard that about Edison, that when he figured out on the 200th or so time what would make a light bulb stay lit, he did that because he knew 199 ways that didn't work. I mean, you never call it a failure in your life. You call it an education. You learn from it. Some of us in here are the most highly educated people. We know all kinds of things that don't work in marriages. We know all kinds of things that don't work in our personal lives. We know all kinds of ways that don't work in making a living. We know ways that don't work very well in raising children. I mean, that's okay. You've got to build on it. You never or rarely get anything right the first time. Does God want you to just waller in your past? Of course not. God wants you to get on with the future. That's the toughest part of my divorce. The divorce happened once, but I've relived it over and over and over again. It's like, get on with life. It's over. The door's closed. We should make our plans counting on God to direct us. So have you made plans for 2012 yet? When are you going to get around to it? March? Some of you are still planning last year. That one's over. You're going to either go through this next year by design or you're going to go through by default. And that means you're going to have a plan in which you say, this is what I'm going to do. Or you're going to let other people plan your life, which means you're just going to drift through life. And most people drift through life because they don't have a plan. 
God says we should make plans counting on God to direct us. God doesn't want you to drift. He wants you to go through life by design. Setting goals. Setting goals are a part of having faith. A goal is simply a dream with a deadline put on it. It's saying, I believe God wants me to do do so-and-so by a certain point in time. It's a statement of faith. You need to set some goals for 2012. You need to set some personal goals. You need to set some family goals. Don't worry if you don't reach them all. That's not even the point. The point is that you have something to head towards so your life has direction. Because we spend more time planning activities. We spend more time planning vacations than we do planning our own lives. I mean, why don't we set goals in our lives? It's because of the fear of failure. That's our fear, failure. If you set a goal and you don't reach it, and you've announced that to people that you've got that goal, then you feel stupid. You feel like a fool. Failure is not failing to reach your goal. None of us reach all of our goals. Failure is not having a goal. Fear of failing is actually worse than failing. At least when you fail, you've tried. You can get up, you can dust yourself off, start again. Fear of failure always keeps you in that little prison of what if? What could have happened? What would have happened? How do you get rid of the fear of failure? It's faith. And that's why the third step is act in faith. Faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is moving ahead in spite of your fear. Faith is doing the things that you fear the most. I mean, Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. He had mountains on both sides, the huge Red Sea directly in front of him, the Pharaoh's army coming up behind him. I mean, the only way they was going to be saved is if somehow they got through the Red Sea. And God said, I'm just going to open it up and you guys are going to walk through it. I mean, imagine, how'd you like to have been that poor guy that had to go first? Imagine what he was thinking. And you know what? You're going to have some Red Sea problems in your life in 2012. And you're going to say, let's go around it somehow. But God says, no, let's go through it. I'm going to take you through the problem. I'm not going to remove that problem. I am going to take you through it. You act in faith. You keep walking. You act in faith and He will take you through your Red Sea. So where do you need to act in faith the most in your life? Where do you need to take steps of faith in your life? One of the things that always keeps us from acting in faith is that we always worry what other people think. We're always worrying about what other people think. And when you worry about what other people think, you're not going to do what God wants you to do. You're going to do what's convenient to do. You're going to do what everybody else is doing, what everyone wants you to do. When I decided six years ago that I was all in for Christ, it wasn't a popular decision with my friends, with my bandmates. It wasn't a popular decision with my wife. It wasn't a popular decision with my family. 
My dad said, what are you doing, boy? Them churches want your money. Everybody said, you're crazy. You're dumb. This is foolish. And if I didn't listen to what other people said, I would have missed the greatest adventure of my life. So you need to step out in faith. Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, Being afraid of people can get you into trouble. Don't make that mistake in 2012. The R in start is refocus. Refocus. I need to refocus my thoughts if I want to change my life. If I want to get going again, if I want a fresh start, I need to rethink the way that I think. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. So you need to change the way you think to change the way you act. If you're acting in a depressed or discouraging way, it's because you're thinking depressed and discouraging thoughts. And that's your choice. You don't have to think those thoughts. If you're acting in a fearful or worried ways, it's because you're thinking fearful or worried thoughts. If you change your thoughts, it'll change your feelings, and that's going to change the way you act. The Bible says be transformed by the renewing of the mind. How can you be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Now, Psalm 1 says, Happy are those who are always meditating on God's Word. They are like trees along a river that do not dry up. They succeed in everything they do. Huh. Happy and succeed. Those are the two things we're all searching for. Happiness and success. We all want to be happy. We all want to succeed. The more you meditate on God's Word the more happy and successful you'll be. That's a promise from God. You know, it's interesting that the Bible, it doesn't say if you read this book, you'll be happy and successful. It doesn't say if you listen to this book, like through a sermon, going to church, you'll be happy and successful. It says if you meditate on it, you'll be happy and successful. And meditating means I think on it. I ponder it. What does it mean in my life? I consider it. That's meditating. I mean, you can sit down, you can read your Bible every night and not let anything sink in. But when you meditate on it, God says it produces happiness and success. I mean, as you fill your mind with God's Word, it begins to change your mind. And as you, if you begin to stop seeing yourself as other people see you, or maybe as you see yourself, and you begin to see yourself as God does, that's where your change takes place. Right there is the power to start over. If there's anything I want you to understand, it's that regardless of your failures you've had in your life, regardless of your failures you had last year in 2011, there is hope. It is never too late to start over. Jesus Christ says that you matter to Him. And He can make the rest of your life turn out a whole lot differently. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Jonah 3, verse 1. 
hope most of you know the story of Jonah. God told him to go one direction and do something, but he decided that he would do the exact opposite of what God wanted for his life. So God took him on a little Mediterranean Caleb cruise. And after that cruise, over in Jonah 3, verse 1, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah a second time. And I am so glad for that verse. I mean, aren't you glad that we serve the God of second chances? He's the God of grace who says, come to me with your brokenness. Come to me with your failures. Come to me with your shame. Come to me with your guilt. Come to me with all the messed up things you've done. Come to me with the things you're doing right now that you can't break out of. And I can turn them around because I love you and I made you for a purpose. And now we come to the last step. The T is for trust. The T is for trust. Trust God to help you succeed. Depend on Him. Don't depend on you. You've already proven you can't do it yourself. That's why you failed before. Some people don't get it. They stumble, they fall, they get up and say, I'm just going to try a little harder. You go up to a wall, you beat your head on it. It doesn't fall. You do it again, it doesn't fall. That's the definition of insanity, is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. You don't get a fresh start by trying. You get a fresh start by trusting. Zechariah 4, verse 6 says, You will not succeed by your own strength or spirit. But by, or your own strength or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The secret to starting over, the secret to a fresh start, the secret of success is not by trying. It's by trusting. I mean, how would you like to wipe the slate clean? I mean, have you ever thought, you know, I'd just like to redesign my life from the ground up? Just start completely new. The Bible says when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. I mean, God specializes in new beginnings. Chances to start over, fresh starts. You know, we sometimes look at our lives and whatever situation we're in, and we just feel like one big minus. We're caught up in all our failures. We're caught up in the things that we're doing. We're caught up in our shame, and we feel like a negative. In life, we feel like a negative. How does God turn a negative into a positive? He takes all these minuses in your life and He turns them into a positive by the cross. Jesus Christ was hung for your hang-ups. 
He was crucified on the cross for everything that you feel bad about right now. Everything is coming to your mind. For everything that continues to keep you from being able to move on, from being able to step forward in life. And this right here, this took care of all that, every bit of it. It's called grace. It's called grace. But you think, you know, I've wasted so many years. The Bible says in Joel, I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. Isaiah says, I will give you beauty for ashes. Right there is how you make a fresh start in 2012. Can I get you to stand for closing prayer? If we have a prayer team today, can they come forward and uh, be ready for anybody that needs prayer? Let's pray. God, only you know the hurts that we have in our hearts. You've seen us stumble. You've watched us fail. You know the areas of our lives that, that we're ashamed of. You know we've hurt people as well that we've been hurt by other people. And God, today we begin this new year, January 1st, and we just ask for a fresh start. We accept responsibility for our part in the problems of our lives. We're going to stop making excuses. Forgive us for not listening to you in the first place. Help us to take stock of the good that you've brought into our lives. Help us to learn from our past experiences. Today we just want to act in faith. Allow today to be a new beginning, a fresh start for us. We want to open up our life to you. We want to let you shape us. We want to let you use us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, our fearless leader will be back next week to show you how God wants to talk to you in 2012. So I'll see you next week. Always know you're loved in this place.